Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Three is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, who is uh, probably right now in the air, heading back to the Big Easy, two games in the books for the Pelicans in the Western Conference quarterfinals, and unfortunately it's two losses for the Pelicans, but not without some good play. I would say, you know, there's a reason why the Golden State Warriors are the best team in the league, and they only have two losses at home this season, so um, I, I do like the fight in this Pelicans team, but unfortunately they fell last night to Golden State, 97-87. to If I fall asleep midway through my senses, I apologize. It was a late night. At the Smoothie King Center, our broadcast got off about 1 o'clock in the morning. And then, again, uh, back here early in Studio B. But glad to be here. Of course, we're talking playoff basketball, and we are talking Pelicans playoff basketball today on the Black and Blue Report. Again, your final score, 97-87. to And for a team that scores a lot of points, Pelicans hold Golden State under 100. But, unfortunately, the offense was uh, not there in the first half. 19 points in the third quarter, 16 points in the fourth. And Golden State outscored the Pelicans 26-16. It was tied after 3, 71-71. But again, in the fourth quarter, too much for New Orleans. For the Pelicans, Anthony Davis led the way. Just his second playoff game in his young career. A double-double, his first career playoff double-double. 26 points, 10 rebounds, 9 of 22 shooting from the field, 8 of 8 from the foul line. We'll hear from Anthony Davis in just a few moments. Eric Gordon, 23 points, 5 of 10 from beyond the arc, those five three-pointers ties a playoff franchise record for the Pelicans. Remember, now our playoff our franchise records date back now to just 2002 when New Orleans became a franchise here in the Crescent City. Tyreek Evans still playing with that bone bruise, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, just 4 of 13 from the field and 7 of 12 from the foul line. But I was more impressed with his zero turnovers, the only Pelican starter Without a turnover and off the bench, it was Norris Cole, 11 points, 5 of 11 shooting in 27 minutes of play. The Pelicans cannot hit shots last night, just 38% from the field, 31 of 82. They were 7 of 20 from beyond the arc and 18 of 24 from the foul line. Transition defense was a big key in this series, or is supposed to be a big key in this series, and it was last night. 
Uh, we'll talk to Jim Eichenhofer about that later on. But 24-7, Warriors outscore the Pelicans in fast break points. Second chance points were tied up at 10, and points in the paint belong to the Pelicans 38-34. to And if you remember in Game 1, Pelicans scored just 13 points. That, ties a, that tied a season low for points in the first quarter. Last night, 28 points in the first quarter. They got they got off to a 28 to 17 lead in the first, but then the Golden State got hot in the second. 38 points in quarter number two, and they were up by three at the half, 55 to 52 for Golden State. It was Clay Thompson uh, with a nice night, 26 points, 11 of 17 shooting from the field. Clay had 21 points in game number one, 26 in game number two. Steph Curry. 22 points in game number two compared to 34 in game number one. Um, he's been doing it a lot in the paint. He was three of nine shooting from beyond the arc in game two, four of 13 in game number one. So the Pelicans doing a good job on his perimeter defense, but unfortunately he is getting to the paint and uh, scoring pretty easy. 22 points again for him. And uh, Draymond Green, I think, has been the X factor in this series for Golden State on defense and on offense. 14 points, 12 rebounds, five assists last night. And in game number one, 15 points, 12 rebounds, and um, seven assists. So a nice couple nights there for Draymond Green as the Warriors had the edge in the series to the nothing. And it's nice also to see, you know, some of the national writers and uh, media members talking uh, very complimentary of the Pelicans, I should say, in the first two games. And, of course, when you're the eighth seed, you know, it's hard to differ what the expectations are. You want to win, but at the same time, you have to be a little bit realistic as far as Okay, what do you want to see out of this team? And keep in mind how many of these players haven't had any playoff experience. Anthony Davis, Tyreek Evans, um, Ryan Anderson. Well, Ryan Anderson played with Orlando. But still, a lot of these guys do not have any playoff experience. And your star player at 22 years old is making his playoff debut. So I would say um, through all that and the injuries, no Drew Holiday last night with that stress reaction. It was a little sore. Hope to see him play on Thursday. I mean, you got to give this team credit. And again, I don't like to say anything about moral victories. You know, Pelicans had some chances to win both games. They got to a slow start on Saturday afternoon, but got off to a fast start last night. I, I've been pretty impressed with how they played in the first two games of the series. But guess what? It comes home. Things could change here on Thursday and Saturday night. Games three and four at the Smoothie King Center. It's going to be a red out on Thursday night, so make sure to wear your red and actually... You won't have to worry about finding a red shirt because the Pelicans will provide one. Every person in attendance will receive a red shirt courtesy of Chevron. So please get your tickets for this game, 504-525-HOOP, or visit pelicans.com. Well, enough of me ranting. Let's actually hear from some of the players and coaches from last night's game. Let's start with Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams. You know, we both struggled to score the way we typically score. You know, they're... 109, 110 points per game. They're at 97. We were at 87. But the whole second half, we just, you know, couldn't get much going. And, and the offensive rhythm is, is important against a team like Golden State because they can run it down your throat. And um, I thought that's what they did in the second quarter. If you look at it, they had two bad quarters and two great quarters. Uh, the fourth quarter was okay, but they held us to 16. So. I really thought the second quarter when they had 38 points was a bit of a hole for us because we had played good defense in the first and then in the second quarter, um, they got a great rhythm and took them right into halftime with a plus. Uh, and then we came out in the second quarter and held them to 16. And then like you said, down the stretch, uh, 
there were times where we tried to push it when we got to stop and we turned it over and then they rammed it right back down our throat. And those are the possessions where you, you want to make sure if you have a layup, take it. If not, you got to slow it down. And so uh, we'll be better at that. But I can't fault our guys tonight. They fought their tails off and, and gave us a chance to win. I think it was a two-point game with four minutes to go. And um, we just fumbled a little bit down the stretch. Monty, there's always been comments from people that a team has to get to the playoffs as part of yeah. sort of the growth process, yeah. especially a young team going through <laughs> it for the first time. Yeah. What are you seeing from your guys now that you have two games about their adjustments to this new level yeah. and what they're learning, what this process has been for Anthony in particular, yeah. but your team in general? I think everybody's – you can't say it enough about just getting here and understanding what it's like. You know, I was speaking to – Reggie before the game and, and he understood exactly what I was talking about like all the things I talk about in practice and guys look at you like you're crazy and you get in a position like this and now they understand all the tricks uh, how physical it is the atmosphere is different um, at the same time I don't think it's overwhelmed us I think it's new to us but I think we've settled into it um, it's just you know we're playing against the best team in the league and um we're fighting tooth and nail for every possession, but your point is well taken. Um, Coach, it's hard to mimic this in practice. It's hard to mimic uh, the physicality. It's hard to mimic, um, you know, the fouls that don't get called. It's hard to mimic all that stuff, and we have to learn to do the same thing. And, you know, our guys are growing up on the fly, and Anthony and, you know, we've had some talks the last few days, and he's, it's all sinking in now. He understands you know, why we push the way we push. And it's only going to make us better. But right now, we just got to focus on the next game. You know, how can we apply that to the next game? Because that's what we have in front of us. All right, and a little bit later, here's a few moments of Anthony Davis. He and Norris Cold talk for over 12 minutes. Here's a portion of that interview. Offensively, maybe forcing things a little bit too much, not being patient, or how much credit do you give to the Warriors defensively during that time frame? Um, we just miss shots. You know, I think... Um, we were being aggressive. You know, we didn't want to not be aggressive and try to, you know, take away from our game. Then we made, you know, aggressive plays and you know, the, the ball just went the other way. You know, uh, Eric did a couple hard drives and nine times out of ten he's not going to, you know, lose the ball. Same with Tyreek. And um, we just missed shots towards the end, you know, and they made shots. And, um, I mean, we were right there. Gave myself a chance, you know. At the same time, you know, we want we want to win the game, you know. Um, that's all we've been talking about is trying to get one on the road, you know. And it's tough when you're battling like that. But at the same time, I mean, it hurts because we want to win. We gave ourselves a chance. We knowing that we were right there, and, you know. We just didn't do a good job of executing, you know, towards the end of the game. Anthony, what are you learning about the difference between regular season basketball and playoff basketball? in terms of this being a step in the process of wanting to get to the top, that this is just the first step. And Norris, with your experience, are, are you talking to some of the younger guys that haven't been there before? I don't know if you spent any time talking to them about the playoffs and how it's different from the regular season. Yeah, it's, it's way different. Um, you know, the physicality is different. You know, uh, the pace is different. Um, the calls are different. You know, and, you know. So I mean, it's 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 tough. You know, it's all new to me. You know, and um, I'm not gonna let Norris answer. 
you know, but he's doing a great job of, you know, helping everyone else out. You know, he's been in a situation plenty of times, you know, and been on both sides, you know, the totem pole. So um, he's doing a great job of, of helping us, you know, players while we're on the floor, you know, um, where the coaches, you know, really can't, you know, tell us everything because they're not out there. So, you know, he does a great job, you know, being in that situation plenty of times of, of helping us out. And, of course, for all the post-game reaction, you can head to pelicans.com. You can hear from head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and Norris Cole from the podium, and then any locker room sound the Pelicans got last night after the loss. They do fly back today. I believe it's just a travel day, no practice. They'll be back at practice tomorrow, and then again Thursday, game three, 8.30 Central time at the Smoothie King Center. we got a great show for you lined up. We'll talk Pelicans basketball with Jim Eichenhofer from pelicans.com. We'll get a national perspective on the Warriors-Pelicans series from Sam Amick, who's been covering the series for USA Today. Also hear his take on the rest of the NBA playoffs. And then we continue our NFL draft series today. Pick number nine, and that's the New York Giants. And we have John Schmelk on from Giants.com. He's a producer, host, and reporter. Uh, Very nice guy, very informative. And so we'll hear what the Giants might do at pick number nine today. Then we'll wrap things up and get you set um, for another week of Pelicans basketball and some draft series stuff. So again, Pelicans fall to the Warriors 97 to 87. When we come back, we'll continue our uh, recap of last night's game with Jim Eichenhofer. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. Another win for U.S. agencies. You can score big with U.S. agencies with more choices, more products, more savings. Tickets? Accidents? No problem. U.S. agencies can insure any driver regardless of their driving record. Big savings and great service. Now that's a winning combination. Call for a fast free quote and start saving today. 800-761-6822. That's 800-761-6822. Auto insurance for less and service that's the best. Restrictions apply. Liability premium only. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Well, it's Tuesday, so that must mean that Jim Eichenhofer is coming on the Black and Blue Report. He's joining us now from beautiful San Francisco, California, about to depart back to the Big Easy. I'm pretty sure he's uh, about to fly on his private jet, but who knows? He might uh, be the common folk today and fly uh, with the team back. Jim, good morning from California. Good morning, Daniel. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you flying back with the team or are you taking your own jet? Um, I'm flying back with the team. Uh, my uh, my private jet is is uh, in for repairs right now, so I was unable to uh, to use that for this trip. Oh, sorry to hear that. It's okay. <laughs> All right, Jim. Well, let's talk some basketball. Pelicans down 0-2 in the series, but I thought there were a lot of good things um, from the Pelicans in those two games. I know a lot of people are not for moral victories, but it's hard when you're eight seed going against a team that's only lost – two home games all season that's the golden state warriors what takeaways can you uh what can you take away from the first two games on the pelican side well i think the biggest thing is kind of one of the things that you referenced um 
it seemed like before game one, there were a lot of people who, who thought that, you know, maybe it would be a sweep and maybe every game would be 20 plus points in the favor of the Warriors, especially the games out here, because after they were 39 and two at home during the regular season, I mean, they have one of the biggest home court advantages in the league. So big picture wise, I think one of the biggest takeaways is definitely that the gap between these two teams, at least in the first two games, is not as big as people thought, and that the Pelicans can can hang with these guys. Um, I think they're they're very encouraged, obviously, to be able to go home now. And I think if you were coming off two games where you lost by 30, um, I mean, kind of the way it was during the regular season where the two games here were just not not a uh, competitive. I think you'd have a you'd be a lot more discouraged, but I, by being down 0-2. But I think overall they were really more competitive in these two games than pretty much anyone pred- predicted they would be. Why have they been so competitive? What has that been either offensively or defensively that's really stuck out in these first two games? I think defensively has definitely been the most impressive part of it because Golden State is such a high-powered offensive team. Um, they were number two in the in the league in efficiency on offense only behind only the Clippers. Um, I felt like, especially last night, the Pelicans made them take a lot of tough shots. Um, Curry and Thompson are so good that a lot of times they can make those. Um, I remember Curry had had kind of a one-footed, off-balance, falling out-of-bounds shot in the first quarter that he made that you just, you know, tip your hat and say, hey, great play. But, I mean, I thought overall, though, that those two guys have not had a lot of space. And I think, you know, last night in particular – it wasn't easy for them. They ended up, only ended up with 97 points, which is you. I think you would take every time, um, especially when they play at home. So defensively, I think the Pelicans have definitely done a, a good job. I think the offense is really the, the thing that has kept them from, from getting at least one win in these first two games. What about pace of play? I know transition defense was a, a big key for the Pelicans heading into this series. Last night, 24 for Golden State, only 7 for the Pelicans. And in Game 1, it was 18-13. to 13. Warriors had the advantage. Have you been happy with the transition defense, or is that the biggest need of improvement defensively for the Pelicans heading into Game 3? I think it's definitely it's an area where they can improve. Overall, I've been pretty happy with that from the Pelicans' perspective. Um, I think they uh, there's been times when Golden State has gotten out and run um, especially at the beginning of games where they've had some pretty big uh, big surges. But honestly, I don't think it's something that you can realistically completely contain because Golden State, they might be the best team in the league at taking long misses and running out and turning that into three-pointers or fast-break layups at the other end. So, I mean, especially in the games here, I know I keep saying that, but uh, they it's hard to completely cut that off. I think the pace the Pelicans would have preferred even a little bit slower pace than what they were able to, to, to do. But um, I think for the most part, I think if you ask both teams, I think it was more, the pace was more to the Pelicans liking than the Warriors for sure. This more is a two part question. As far as Anthony Davis is concerned, first I just want your takeaway in his first two playoff games, 35 points in game one, 26 points in game two. He's played 40 minutes in game one, 45 minutes in game two, one, what have you liked about Anthony Davis in his first two playoff games? What have you seen from him? And two, he kind of shrugged it off as far as saying that it's the playoffs. You know, he'll play as long as they want me to play. Are we looking too much into him playing 45 minutes last night, or is that a cause for concern heading into game three? Um, 
I don't think it's that much of a cause for concern. I mean, I, I think I, I saw a lot of people or heard a lot of people last night saying that they thought that he looked like he was getting tired in the fourth quarter, which was which is understandable um, if he's going to play that many minutes. And not only that, but just how much of a load that there is on his shoulders right now that he knows, um, you know, that not that it's all on him, but a lot of it is on him to come through with with big plays and do a lot of the stuff that the team needs. Um, but um, as far as the way he's – my impression of him in the first two games – um, big picture wise, I kind of feel like it's almost exactly what you what you would expect. He's he's shown, as we've seen all season, that he's a great player. That he's on his way to you know becoming one of the. He's already one of the best players in the league, but I know a lot of people think he might be the best player within a couple of years. But he's also had some moments where you, where you could tell that it was his first playoff experience. I think he's he's rushed a little bit at times on offense. I think when the when the he's let the kind of the offense come to him and the and the game come to him, he's been pretty tough to stop. The way he was in the fourth quarter of uh, game one, but um overall, I mean he's been he's he's played great. He's put up really good numbers, but um I think you could tell a little bit that this is the first time that he's been in the playoffs. And as he gets as he gets settled in and as he gets to go home for these next two games, I think you'll probably see a lot of the same stuff. But he might. Uh, you know, even have even cleaner game where he he's not rushing as much as he was a little bit at times in these first two. We're talking with Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Ryan Anderson in two games combined, let's see, two of 11 from the field. Only played nine minutes last night, four points, one of five shooting. Um, what is going on with Ryan? Are you concerned about his play the first two games? I think he's... I think one thing that happened after game one was Monty talked a lot about how his his defense is 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 a problem because it's hard for him to match up with some of the guys Golden State puts on the floor. Um, I think Golden State is probably the best team in the one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. At they have a guy in Draymond Green who's who's he's a he's a listed as a, a power forward, but he can do so many different things and he has so much versatility that it's pretty tough for Ryan to guard him because Draymond can make threes. He can put the ball on the floor and go by you a little bit. And so I think that was the biggest thing with, with Monty was that he, Ryan's going to have a tough time in this series matching up defensively. I think when you combine that with that Ryan hasn't shot well, and really, you know, honestly going back through a lot of the regular season other than a couple games after he came back from the injury too, he's also struggled so I think it's just those two things combined with, you know, he plays the same position as Anthony Davis. Davis is going to play 40-something minutes like we discussed, and you end up with a situation where maybe Ryan's minutes aren't going to be that big unless something changes drastically here soon. Of course, everyone on Golden State knows about mm-hmm. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Those are the uh, two key guys for Golden State. But you mentioned Draymond Green has been not only great defensively but offensively in the first two games. Has he been the X factor so far for the Warriors in two games? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's he's done a lot of uh, – I thought he was really good in game one defensively against Anthony Davis at times before AD broke out in the fourth quarter. Um, he's – He's he's Raymond Green. I feel like has gotten so much praise this year that at times, you know, I, I watch Golden State play a lot, but obviously I don't get to watch them play every game. And um, at times I've, I've been wondering, like, man, is is it's almost starting to get to the point where he, his impact is overstated. But but honestly, in these first two games, I mean, I feel like you can see in a lot of ways of why he's been valuable for them because he kind of 
fills in the gaps. He does everything that they need. They if they need defense defensive uh, one on one play, he gives them that. He's given them some outside shooting. He's you know had some finishes around the basket and just he's just been uh, just a big problem for the Pelicans so far. Kind of uh, not a guy that maybe you necessarily focus on because they have so many other scorers, especially the Splash Brothers. But man, he can he definitely has shown that he can hurt you if if you know he uh, if you if he has a chance to to capitalize on some of the openings that they've provided him uh, for him on offense. Yeah, two straight double-doubles for him, 15 points, 12 rebounds in Game 1, 14 points, 12 rebounds in Game 2. Jim, uh, Tyreek Evans fought through his injury yesterday. You can tell he was hurt a little bit, but in 40 minutes, not a bad day at the office. 16 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Did struggle 4 of 13, but he didn't turn the ball over once. Drew Holiday could not go with that stress reaction in the lower right leg, which was sore. Um, Was this more precautionary for Drew to... Yeah, he was still sore, but maybe a chance, a better chance of playing Game 3 if he sat out yesterday. What are Drew's chances in your eyes of playing Thursday night at the Smoothie King Center? I'm not sure, but I think part of it could be, and I know this is this is, is a tough situation with him because I'm, I know going back to the regular season, the very end, he sat out a back-to-back. Last night wasn't a back-to-back, but it was only one day in between games. So you wonder a little bit if, you know he he's, he does need a lot of recovery time based on the injury that he has and based on the amount of soreness that he seems to keep getting you know when when he plays even 15 20 minutes so i mean i think that might be the the situation right now it, it, i mean it was good in a way that the pelicans um trip was a little shorter because they played saturday monday but i guess in a way it was bad for drew because maybe if if it was a saturday tuesday or Saturday, Wednesday set up the way some of these other series are, he would have had more time to, to be ready to play in game two, but obviously that's not the case. And now he'll have, you know, three more days to get ready for game three and hopefully be able to be on the court. Yeah, hopefully we'll see him Thursday night at the Smoothie King Center. Speaking of the Smoothie King Center, first home playoff game in four years, Jim. I have not experienced a playoff game here in New Orleans, but you certainly have. Mm-hmm. How excited are you to have some playoff basketball in New Orleans this weekend? Oh, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think people were people were so pumped up last Wednesday for that win against the Spurs, and it was such a great atmosphere. I mean, I think everybody that was there had so much fun. And I I know regardless of what had happened in these first two games, I think people would be would be be ready to go at tip off on Thursday for Game Three. But I think people just judging from Twitter and just listening to people, I feel like people were happy. Not happy, but they were they were okay with the way the team played in these first two games. So I think if anything, it's going to make people even more um, excited about getting to see some some playoff games in the Smoothie King Center uh, coming up in a couple days. Yeah, I hope people were okay with how they played. This team fought really hard, and yes, they're down 2-0, but there's a reason why Golden State has the best winning percentage in the NBA: 67 mm-hmm. wins, and they've only lost two games. At home. Well, game three, as Jim mentioned, is Thursday, 8.30 p.m. And uh, make sure to catch all of Jim's work in the next couple days on Pelicans.com. Plenty of post-game reaction from last night and practice reports um, leading up to Thursday's game three. Jim, safe travels back to the Big Easy, and we'll talk to you on Thursday for game three. Great, Daniel. Always good talking to you. Likewise, Jim. And when we come back, we'll continue our NBA conversation. Sam Amick from USA Today joins us. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. We continue our basketball talk on this Tuesday. It's time to get a national perspective on the Pelicans Warrior Series. And joining me now on the phone is Sam Amick from USA Today. Sam, glad to have you on again. No problem, Daniel. Thanks for having me. No problem. Sam, I asked Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com the same question in our last segment, but Jim is someone that has seen every Pelicans game this season. Just like a lot of media members, I'm sure you haven't seen a lot of Pelicans games due to their lack of nationally televised games. What have you seen from the, this Pelicans team after two playoff games? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have a decent sense of those guys. The joys of league pass these days make that a little easier to right. watch them. And we've seen some of the best, I think, that the Pelicans have had to offer in the last five quarters, and that's obviously a key distinction. They got routed in the first three quarters of game one. Anthony Davis wakes up, goes off. The Warriors take a step back. I thought they relaxed a bit. And, uh, and it, you know, I think from that point on, it's been an interesting series. Now, the bad news, obviously, for your Pelicans is the two-nothing deficit is just typically not the kind of thing that any team comes back from. You know, people have probably heard the numbers. It's 245 out of 261, best of seven series. You know, the two-nothing lead winds up meaning that that team wins. But for me, no matter what happens in this series, if you're New Orleans, you're just looking for takeaways, you're looking for growth, you're looking for experiences that are going to help you going forward. And I think they've already gotten some of those. And it, from Anthony finding his way in the postseason and showing to himself that he can be the same player on that stage that he can be in the regular season to the rest of the guys, I think, figuring out what they do well and what they need to keep doing well and the stuff that they've got to get better at. I mean, last night, just some rough performances from the field from guys that if they you know, could have played better, maybe things could have been different. Quincy Pondexter struggled. Ryan Anderson had a hard time, only plays nine minutes. So a lot of lessons learned, but uh, they're in a tough spot right now. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about that. Um, you mentioned Anthony Davis. You wrote a great piece about him a couple of days ago uh, on USA Today. Um, have you been pleased with uh, what you've seen from him in this past in his first two playoff games? Yeah, I've enjoyed seeing it. You do feel like you're watching a special couple of days, special couple of weeks when it comes to a player that everybody believes is going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, mm -hmm. a player who people are saying is going to be in the MVP discussion for the next 15 years. In, in that regard, in that context, in, for our line of work, you try to actually appreciate that and really focus on kind of, you know, just being observant, which is part of this job. And so that's what I've enjoyed these last couple of days is Anthony Davis at his locker before game one, 
when NBA TV comes over to him. And ironically, it's I don't think the guy would mind me sharing this. It's a guy named Andy Thompson who works for NBA TV mm-hmm. and is actually the uncle of Clay Thompson. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and so he's in the locker room, and he said to Anthony, you know, hey, D, could you, would you mind putting on your jersey for the cameras? We need a shot where it's, you know, it's a little slice of history. They, they went out of their way to chronicle Anthony Davis putting on a playoff jersey for the first time in his career. And that tells you how much respect people have for Anthony and his game and what people think his career is going to be like. So all of that stuff has been enjoyable to watch. Now on the floor, we've just seen a guy that's obviously so versatile, so impactful, and playing both ends of the floor. Early on in that game yesterday when New Orleans got out to that big lead early, he just was a man on fire. I mean, the length was bothering every one of the Warriors. On the other end, he was cleaning things up offensively and just being that player that we know he can be. Yeah, great stuff. I like that story you just shared with us about NBA TV. Good stuff there. Um, Sam, in these first two games, who has been the difference maker so far in this series on either side? I think Draymond Green. He's he's the Warriors MVP to this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it sounds funny to, to compliment the guy defending Anthony Davis when I just complimented Anthony yeah. for his play. But he's one of those superstars where all you can do is just try to make it tough on him. And Draymond has done that and more. And I think bothered him. And he could have, if we, if we're impressed by Anthony now, I'd shudder to think what he might've done. If you put somebody, you know, a more inferior defender than Draymond against him. Cause I think, Draymond's strength has been a little bit of a problem for Anthony. He's just a bully of a guy who can move you around, and that's kept Anthony out of the paint at different times. And he's smart, man. He he'll he'll you know defend him one on one, but then they throw bodies at Anthony occasionally, and I think that's bothered him. And then on the other end, he's just one of those guys that fills up the box score. Last night, 14 points, 12 boards, five assists, three steals, and a plus 25 plus minus rating, which is just a heck of a, you know, a, a night at the office. So I think it's been Draymond. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. That's for sure. Um, I'm sure you've been watching a lot of playoff basketball over the last three days. I know you've been a busy man. Um, only ro- one road team so far has won a game, and that was the Washington Wizards. Has anything surprised you in the first three days of the playoffs, Sam? Um, the Clippers and the way they beat the Spurs surprised me. Not, I mean, I, I knew they were capable of beating them, but they did it with this amazing combination of entertainment value, but grit and tenacity. I know that sounds like some hyperbole there, hmm. but they really played well. And I keep saying, I've said probably three, four times now, probably the most impressive Clippers win I've ever seen. I don't know if I'm being a prisoner of the moment there, hmm. just remembering what I saw most recently, but they've been incredible. Or they were in that game. The other one is the way that Memphis ran through Portland in game one. I didn't see that coming. I mean, that's the mass unit series with both teams so banged up. And, I, you know, they got the Grizzlies got Tony Allen and Mike Conley back, and that's huge. And they just absolutely took it to the Blazers, and I didn't see that coming. Um, the other ones that come to mind, Derrick Rose, I, I, and this is not being surprised, but, you know, how good he was in his playoff debut jumped out at me because I was in Spain last year with Team USA watching Kyrie play really good basketball on that stage it's not the NBA playoffs but those are meaningful games and you got a sense of what Kyrie could do when the pressure was on 
So I did think he would, you know, basically do what he did in game one. So he went ahead and did that. And the last one I'll throw in there is just, again, not necessarily surprised, but memorable, is Derrick Rose being back in the playoffs first time since 2012. He's been through so much physically that you can't help but be happy for the guy, and they're off to a good start. He had a great game one. seemed like he was a little emotional when it comes to being back on that floor. And then in game two, he had a hard time for most of the game, had a huge shot late, but the, you know, the Bulls obviously take care of business and they're in a good spot. Yeah, I would agree. Um, with a healthy Derrick Rose, do the Bulls, you think, have a legitimate chance of making the, the Eastern Conference Finals, or is it still going to be tough with Atlanta and Cleveland out in front of them? No, I think they do, absolutely. We forget sometimes in terms of parity across the league, but in the East specifically, that, and I just did a separate interview where we talked about this, if you took the East and West structure away, the Cavs, you know, he did a top 16 type style in the playoffs that's been debated a lot this season. Right. The Cavs would be the seventh seed. And so sometimes we hold them in even higher regard than we probably should. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Hawks are kind of different. They've done it all year long, 60 wins. But, but in the same breath, they, they obviously played more games against the East than the West. So the point of that being that the separation between teams like the Cavs and the Hawks and the Bulls is not what sometimes I think we say it is. So, yeah, the Bulls, if they can keep doing what they're doing, they're going to be tough, man. They're so deep. This Miritich injury is big. He's got a left quad situation that happened last night in what was a really physical game. Yeah. So if he can't play, that's a major loss. He's been a, a really valuable part of their team this year. But I think for sure if they get on a roll, they can be dangerous. Absolutely. That's Sam Amick, uh, who covers the NBA for USA Today. Sam, um, where are your, uh, where's your next road trip coming? Which uh, series are you covering? That way fans can follow you in, um, on your next arrival. I'm uh, based in Northern California, so I'll be heading down the coast to L.A. to check out Game 2 of Clippers Spurs. Then from there, tentatively, in the, in the playoffs, things can always change depending on what happens in these games. But I'll be doing Mavs Rockets in Dallas on Friday. And then moving, uh, jumping around again, back to Spurs Clippers on Sunday in San Antonio. So, unfortunately, and admittedly, with the Pelicans Warriors, if New Orleans had stolen one of these games in Oakland, I'd probably be getting a chance to go hang out. <clears throat> excuse me, hang out in the Big Easy. But uh, it was not to be, and, and you know. But if they can win some home games, then then uh, then I'll be back on that series at some point. All right, sounds good. That's Sam Amick again. He covers the NBA for USA Today. You can follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Amick, A-M-I-C-K. Sam, great to have you on again. We hope to have you on again real soon. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it, man. No problem. When we come back, we'll continue our NFL Draft Series with the New York Giants. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot, $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. 
The time is now for you to be a part of something special. All-Star Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans have taken it to another level, and we want you to be on board for even bigger things to come next season. Pelican season ticket holders score the best seat locations, best ticket prices, discounts on concessions, merchandise, and much more. Plus, become a Pelican season ticket holder now to receive preferred access to Pelican's playoff tickets. Call 525-HOOP and get your Pelican's tickets today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. We continue our NFL Draft Series today with pick number nine, which belongs to the New York football Giants. And joining me now to talk Giants football is John Schmelk, who is a host, writer, and producer for Giants.com. John, I should first ask, what don't you do for the Giants? <laughs> um, play safety. Okay. <laughs> which is something the Giants are going to have to find somebody to do in the next few months. I'll get to that in just a second, but first, uh, John, let's talk about the Giants' offseason. How would you grade uh, their offseason so far heading into the draft? Well, um, I think it's tough to give a grade now because it's not over yet. I mean, the the draft goes into it, and once the draft is over, and you know who you have in the draft, as you guys well know, there are still a lot of veterans out there in free agency that can get at, you know, shorter-term contracts at, at relatively low cost that can help your team down the road. So right now I'd give them a solid B, B-plus. They've filled some holes, but there's still work to do. Which holes did they fill in free agency heading into the draft? Well, they did some work on the defensive side of the ball. They brought in a couple of linebackers, J.T. Thomas and Jonathan Casillas. J.T. Thomas from Jacksonville, Casillas from the Patriots. Both guys should be core special teamers. They have some speed. They can run around. Uh, they'll give Steve Spagnuolo some options at linebacker, especially considering John Beeson's injury history. I thought those two guys were very good pickups. Shane Vereen is an excellent addition on the offensive side of the ball, really giving Eli Manning that reliable receiver who can be a playmaker out of the backfield, uh, be a nightmare matchup for opposing linebackers, and give Eli that reliable check down that maybe he hasn't had in the past, especially since Rashad Jennings was injured so much last year. And then Dwayne Harris is really the other guy who I think is a big-time addition. He'll be the team's fourth wide receiver, assuming Victor Cruz comes back healthy, and he plays on all four special teams. He's a return guy. He's a gunner. He plays kick coverage. So he's a guy that'll help in a lot of different assets, uh, aspects of the game. There are a couple of positions the Giants can go with at pick number nine. You mentioned the safety position. Is that the direction they go with, or are there are a couple other positions that they might go for at pick number nine, just depending on who goes before him. Well, you know, that, well, obviously that's the trick. You don't know who's going to be off the board, right? Um, but regardless of who's off the board, um, I don't think the safety position. Uh, is somewhere they'll go at number nine. I don't see Landon Collins as a top ten player myself. I'm not sure the Giants view him, but I can tell you I don't see him as a guy that's going to go in the top half of the first round. I see him more around the 20 area. Uh, so I don't think they go uh, safety first round. And, and the Giants are not a team generally they are going to pick solely based on need. They like to look around and you know figure out what the best player is available because you never know you know two or three years down the road what your need's going to be when that player enters his prime year. So, you know, that's not saying the Giants are going to go pick Marcus Mariota if he's there at number nine. They do have Eli Manning. But um, they, leak, they like to leave their options open. So uh, I think if one of those top two wide receivers, Amari Cooper or Kevin White, drop to nine, I think they'll be an option. Um, if the top offensive lineman, Brandon Sheriff from Iowa, is on the board, I think he can be an option. Um, the Giants have always liked athletic tackles. 
So you're talking about the Eric Flowers, the Andrews Peets, the DJ Humphreys. Those guys, I think they could potentially be an option there. I wouldn't rule out Trey Waynes, the top cornerback in the draft out of Michigan State. Uh, he ran a great 40 at the Combine in his pro day. Um, he's a good bump and run player, which is exactly what the Giants' new defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, likes to use his corners for. Um, I think he could be an option there at number nine. And then I would never rule out a defensive lineman or pass rusher for the Giants either. If you look at Jerry Reese's draft history, uh, you go back to Jason Pierre-Paul, Jonathan Hankins, Linval Joseph. He has not been shy about picking productive athletic pass rushers early in these drafts. So I'm not sure whether or not they think one of those tweeners, the Shane Rays, the Randy Gregories, can transfer to a 4-3 defense, but I would consider those guys maybe a big Danny Shelton. The Giants had one of the worst run defenses in the league last year. He's somebody that they could look at a defensive tackle. I really think the Giants, in short, I know I listed about 12 guys there, (laughs) are in very good position at number 9. They have a lot of needs. They're coming off a down year, and I think there are going to be a lot of players available on the board when they get to number nine, that they're going to have an option to take. So I really think they're in an optimum position, and I think their options are open, and they have a lot of different ways they can go that can help the football team. So you did mention all those options the Giants could go with at pick number nine. With those options, is there a chance, if there's a good offer on the table, that they could trade down at uh, pick number nine? Yeah, Jerry Reese has not traded around much in his tenure as Giants general manager. Um, He hasn't moved around a whole lot. He likes to pick where the team is unless he's absolutely blown away by an offer. Um, I think they'll think about it. I think it depends who's there. If they get to number nine and they see somebody in that, you know, first grouping of players that has a much higher grade than everybody else, they'll stay there. They'll make the pick. But if they get there at nine and they see four or five guys with a similar grade and they get a call from, you know, the team picking 12th or 13th and they want to give up, you know, a third rounder and a fifth or something like that to move up three spots, and the Giants can still get one of those four or five guys that they have in their one grouping, I'm sure it's something they'll listen to and consider. One more question before I let you go. This doesn't really have an effect on their first pick of the draft, but there's a, is there a chance that they could go with a quarterback as far as not saying they're going to place Eli Manning, but, of course, eventually Eli Manning will retire. Is there a chance they try to draft a backup quarterback, maybe chance someone they can groom after Eli well, retires? Well, back in 2013, they actually, one of the few times Jerry Reese has moved up in the draft, he traded up, oh boy, I believe it was into the fourth round to select Ryan Nassib out of Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And he had some issues his first year as a rookie, but last year, once the Giants brought in Ben McAdoo as a new offensive coordinator, Ryan Nassib played extremely well in the preseason. Um, He really picked it up. He looked like a veteran quarterback, comfortable in the offense. No player has been in this building more this offseason than Ryan Nassib working out, watching film on his own. So I think the Giants believe that right now Ryan Nassib fits the type of mold you're talking about, a young quarterback you can develop that can eventually replace Eli Manning whenever he's ready to call a quit. So I think they have that guy in-house, so I would be very surprised if the Giants do take a quarterback at some point in this draft. All right, that's John Schmelk, the Bo Jackson of the New York Giants. He does it all on Giants.com, host, writer, producer, and now a guest on today's Black and Blue Report. John, thank you so much for the time, and enjoy the draft. Schmelk knows media. Schmelk knows media, that's for sure. <laughs> Thanks, guys. No problem. When we come back, I'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report.
Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit in a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to firm up for summer or last longer in the gym, make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. If you're looking to purify your diet, hurry in and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Fantastic show today. A big thanks to Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com, Sam Amick from USA Today, and John Schmelk from Giants.com. Lots of good stuff. We continue our NFL Draft Series tomorrow. St. Louis Rams at, are on the clock at pick number 10, so we'll let you know uh, who we get on there. We'll, we'll preview their um they had a lot of interesting things during this offseason, trading for a quarterback. They got Nick Foles in exchange for Sam Bradford. So they were busy in the offseason. Let's see how that correlates to the NFL draft, and you'll hear that on tomorrow's show. David Wesley will be on. It's a Wesley Wednesday, uh, so we'll get his take on the first two Pelicans playoff games and also have him preview game number three. Mark Stein from ESPN.com, who's been covering the series for ESPN, will also be on. We'll get a national perspective again on the playoffs and this Western Conference quarterfinal series between the Pelicans and the Warriors. And, of course, the NFL schedule does come out tonight. Yay. Christmas came early already for Saints fans. We'll see who the Saints play this season. Make sure you log on to NewOrleansSaints.com and the very fan-friendly Saints mobile app. 7 o'clock is when the schedule will come out on Pelicans.com and the app. There will be a push notification for those who have the app, so make sure you go on there. There will be plenty of stuff as far as the schedule is concerned. And then tomorrow we'll have John DeShazer on, a senior writer from NewOrleansSaints.com. He'll break down the schedule for you. So, again, a huge and busy show tomorrow. We can't wait to bring it to you. Sean Kelly will be back in the hosting chair, and then we'll get you set for another Pelicans playoff game Thursday on the Black and Blue Report. Another programming note, we will have another Monty Williams show. It will lead into our 8.30 broadcast on Thursday night, it will start at 8 o'clock. Of course, we'll have more information for you on Wednesday and Thursday. But just a heads up, um, we'll have some pregame coverage for you on Pelicans, uh, the Pelicans mobile app and the Pelicans radio network. 8 o'clock, Monty Williams show. Um, actually, that will not be on the mobile app, but it will start at 8.30 um, on the Pelicans radio network. That will do it for today's show. I hope everyone has a great rest of their Tuesday. I'm going to probably go take a nap. And uh, again, Thanks again for tuning in to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. And until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.